Welcome everyone to today's Autistic Moment, a podcast for autistic adults by an autistic adult. My name is Philip King Lowe. I am the owner, producer, and host, and I am an autistic adult. Thank you so very much for listening. Today's Autistic Moment is a member of the National Podcast Association. Today's Autistic Moment is always a free-to-listen-to podcast that gives autistic adults access to important information, helps us learn about our barriers, to discover the strengths and tools we already have to use for the work of self-advocacy. This first segment of today's Autistic Moment is sponsored by the Autism Society of Minnesota, Minnesota's first autism resource. For over 50 years, the Autism Society of Minnesota has been honored to support Minnesota's autism community. Visit them online at AUSM.org. Please go to the new podcast episodes page of todaysautisticmoment.com where you will find the lineup for the new shows with the description of each show from now through the end of May. When I publish new shows, you can click on the title and guest of each show to listen to the episodes. You'll also find the program script that includes all of the hyperlinks I mention on each show and the interview transcript links with will be available to download. Interview transcripts for 2022 are sponsored by Minnesota Independence College and Community. If you wish to listen to all of the previous episodes, including the 24 shows for 2021, go to the episode index page. Also, be sure to follow today's Autistic Moment on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, and TikTok. Please join today's Autistic Moment community group page on Facebook, where you can talk with me and other listeners. Free tickets are now available for Autistic Voices Roundtable Discussion, hashtag Stop the Shock, on February 23rd at 2 o'clock p.m. Central Standard Time. The shop Stop the Shock Movement (coughs) began as a response to federal judges in a two-to-one decision overturned the FDA's ban to end the use of shock devices in July of 2021. What that ruling means is that using shock devices to treat autistic adults and others with various mental disorders is legal in the United States. Our virtual live event will bring autistics together to talk about why this practice is lethal to the dignity of the patients that are shocked into behaving more like neurotypical people. Free RSVP tickets are available by going to todaysautisticmoment.com forward slash autistic voices forward slash. This Autistic Voices Roundtable discussion is sponsored by Looking Forward Life Coaching. This event will be live streamed on the page for today's Autistic Moment on Facebook. The efforts I have put into producing this episode 
about the topic of trauma as an unavoidable consequence for autistic adults have been met with the complication of getting a guest. The previous two guests for this show were not able to be here. There is no way I can say for sure why getting a guest for this show has been so difficult. However, I am fairly sure that one reason could be because trauma affects the lives of so many autistic adults that being able to talk about it is triggering. As autistics, many of us know that we live in a world that is designed for and by neurotypical people. Autistic people's lives are shadowed by a medical pathology that is used to define who we are, what we should be, should do, should become, and be successful in being treated and or cured. The functioning labels that many doctors and medical manuals continue to use for the purpose of determining just how, quote, othered we ought to be, are in fact designed to obscure the autistic spectrum by suggesting that it is linear. The autism spectrum is a sphere by which every autistic person, regardless of our support needs, is part of the whole. The rainbow colors within the sphere of the autistic spectrum symbolize the beautiful and wonderful array of neurodiversity that each autistic person adds to the whole. Yet, autistics are presumed to be considered unemployable, unable to manage interpersonal relationships. Accessing our support needs are determined, approved, or denied from an ableist point of view and a broken healthcare system. These and innumerable issues contribute to the amount of trauma that is an unavoidable consequence for so many autistic adults of any age. The guest for this topic is from Queensland, Australia. Benjamin Christmas, that's right, it is his last name, is a 29-year-old autistic man who identifies as a queer, neurodiverse, cardiac scientist. He was diagnosed with autism only one year ago. Benjamin did his master's degree thesis on the subject of trauma. Benjamin will talk with me very eloquently about trauma as an unavoidable consequence for autistic adults. After this first commercial break, Benjamin and I will talk about trauma from a point of view of the social atmosphere for autistics and why it is so toxic to the personal welfare for neurodivergent individuals. Please stay tuned. Today's Autistic Moment can be downloaded and heard on Anchor FM, Apple, Google Play, Breaker, CastBox, 
Pocket Casts, Radio Public, Spotify, TuneIn, Overcast, and Stitcher. Support for today's Autistic Moment comes from Best Care Home Care Agency. Best Care offers PCA choice, homemaking, and 245D services throughout the metro and greater Minnesota. Visit their website, bestcaremn.com, to learn more about their services. Support comes from Minnesota Independence College and Community, a life and career skills program for young adults with autism and learning differences. Help a young adult take a step towards their independence and a vibrant life. Learn more at micommunity.org. Welcome back. And now it is my privilege to introduce Benjamin Christmas as we begin our conversation about trauma, an unavoidable consequence. Benjamin, thank you so much for being on this episode of today's Autistic Moment. I am especially honored that you live in Australia. I live in the United States and we are having this conversation from one continent to another. Welcome and thank you for being here. Well, thank you very much, Philip. Um, And I appreciate having the opportunity to help out. Um, Having a a transcontinental conversation is always a bit interesting. (laughs) Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Um, um, To explain to my listeners here, there has been some uh, challenges with getting I guess, to commit to this particular topic. And mm. I don't pretend to know exactly 100% why that has been, uh, mm-hmm. but I suspect it has a lot to do actually with the prevalence of trauma for autistic mm. adults. Um, mm. It can be really difficult to even talk about trauma without experiencing how much, how real that trauma impact can be so um but i won't but i won't say that's the only reason but uh benjamin is here and um he shared with me um as i we've gotten connected that he did some master's degree work on this topic Mm -hmm. and so um after i ask you my question you're free to give us a little bit of that background if you so wish um so uh let's get down to it what important information do autistic adults and our caregivers need to know about when we talk about trauma 
as an unavoidable consequence. Uh, so let's talk, please. Go ahead. Mm. Well, the, the more I learn about trauma, um, definitely is something that is very much a multidimensional sort of understanding. And with trauma, I find in my own experience, it's a slow unwrapping of the onion, so to speak. Um, particularly the more I am able to look at my own life and through hindsight being 2020, uh, you start to look at and start to realize the impact uh, sort of traumatic experience has on your life and the expression of it, particularly when it comes to dealing with things that are difficult. And, um, you know, from my perspective, I guess what's important for, I think a lot of individuals are that are either in the, in the periphery of autistic or, or neuro, neurodiverse individuals, um, I think it's just a, a grace and an understanding more than anything. And that I think is almost a guarantee for neurotypical individuals or majority status individuals. They are already coming from a place of comfort. And so, and I mean comfort very much in the sense of not a, leisure, a leisurely comfort. Um, more than anything, it's just, a, it's just a societal comfort. I'm secure. I have the ability to navigate life in a typical way. But if you were to have that perspective and then place that upon a person that's either autistic, has neurodiverse traits, a particular disability or a minority status, um, they're not coming from a fundamental place of comfort or a, you know, a typical societal um, expectation, lifestyle, you know, I'm gonna go buy a house, get a job. I'm gonna go and you know, have, have kids and get married and, and all those sorts of things that generally most people like to go down. It's that in of itself is a huge task. And there's people that are undiagnosed as well that don't even realize the enormity of what they're doing and the toll it's taking. And the toll itself is just very much a multidimensional thing. And the more you understand that it's multidimensional and it's coming from a place of inherent discomfort for everybody <laughs> in these communities, that's where you can start from and can build from there and um, not pathologize things so much. And, uh, you know, I think one of the biggest things is just grace and understanding. Um, people, all people have different types of challenges. But I think as well as the, the, uh, the amount of patience or space that we give individuals like you and I or other people that are, that are similar or more disadvantaged the space given for them to try their very best to succeed in life, it's very small. It's yeah. almost non-existent. Yeah. I think that's a great way to start this conversation. 
Um, <clears throat> so let's take it from what I've been saying in my description leading up to this. Being autistic, there's so much that can be said. As I said, there's a sensory processing disorder. There's the rejection, abusive relationships. Mm -hmm. um, you just mentioned people who are not diagnosed and which involves the matter of masking through a lot of our life. Mm -hmm. There are these matters of unemployment, which also mm -hmm. for many autistic people uh, economically impacts them tremendously. Uh, you know, um, all of these things and more that I can't mention uh, are too many to mention. Mm -hmm. They create trauma. And let's be, 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 be sure that we um, make a differentiation here. There is the physical trauma that requ often requires a visit to the hospital, to the hospital mm. you know, or, or a medical professional that our body is experiencing a trauma. Mm. The type of trauma we are talking about when we're talking about autistic adults, yes, there's mental, emotional trauma that also can bring about some major physical trauma uh, mm -hmm. because trauma impacts the body and the mind in some way or form. Uh, sensory overload can really cause a lot of trauma. Um, um, a sensory overload, regardless of how large or small, mm -hmm. it is a traumatic experience. Mm -hmm. And so the point is, as I, as I say in the title, for autistic people, autistics, trauma is an unavoidable consequence. It's mm. going to happen. Differently for each autistic, but yes, it's a part of our life. Um, for better or worse, or however you say it. So um, please add your comments to that, if you wish. Yeah, so I think... Uh, a good conceptualization um, for understanding the lived experience for an autism, an autistic individual, um, or even uh, just a neurodiverse uh, sort of experience. Um, I think a good way of phrasing it, and I'm not a big fan of the word microaggression in the sense of the connotation it can bring people, people bandy it about it rather superfluously when there's some, there is some weight to that word. But I think the idea of microtraumas, um, and I don't mean microtrauma in the sense of the trauma itself is small, it's just persistent throughout the day, environmentally, what we would call minority stress. And um, a minority stress is, a, is an apt sort of paradigm, I think, to understand. If you go into, into an environment that is designed, maintained, used, and, and uh, uh, built upon that is for a neurotypical, neurotypical or majority status individual, naturally that environment is going to be hostile or, you know, depending on the severity to anyone else, it's different. So if you have an autistic individual, so like for me, I work in healthcare and I work in a a very bright light environment, very loud, lots and lots of sounds. And 
you know, for, for some years, I found myself grinding my teeth at work. And I'm grinding it to the point where people are noticing. I'm not even noticing in the sense that I know I'm doing it. I just know that I've got to get my work done. But being in that environment and not understanding how my brain works for some time and how it interprets the world, I was, I was, I was essentially going to work not being aware that I was traumatizing myself through just the, 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 the sounds and the lights and the, the, way that, the, the way that I'm working was me just thinking there was something wrong with me and I have to change, I have to adapt, I have to do this or that in order to placate an environment or an individual. And that, all those steps that we take to ensure the comfortability of others essentially is trauma. <clears throat> and, it, and then you have the severity of which that will just go up in terms of how intense that trauma is, is, is felt by the person. And I think yes. if, you were to look, if you were to look at autistic individuals and, you know, the double empathy problem as well and empathy and how we are very, well, I know my own experience I very much resonate with feeling too much for others. I struggle sometimes looking after myself, but I can definitely look after others and care for others and be there. And that's something that I find is great for me. And it's a blessing in many ways, but it's also, you're very sensitive about certain things and it can be very hard to deal. After this next commercial break, Benjamin will talk about how the misperception of neurodiverse people contributes to the trauma we experience, as well as the language barriers and some things we can do for the benefit of self-advocacy. Please stay tuned. Life managing you, or are you managing your life? Do you want to find more peace in your life? For many of our clients, self-care is a key to success. Skill building and feedback is essential for self-care. Looking Forward Life Coaching helps provide structure through our person-centered approach that has demonstrated growth for many of our clients. If you or a loved one needs help with structure and strategies around self-care, please visit us at www.lookingforwardlc.org, email us at info at lookingforwardlc.org, or call us at 612-504-7414. Self-care and resiliency can help you weather the storms of life. Looking Forward Life Coaching helps change stumbling blocks of life into stepping stones toward success.
I hope you are enjoying my conversation with Benjamin Christmas. This particular episode highlights just how far today's autistic moment is reaching autistic people on a global basis. In addition to being an important informational resource, today's autistic moment is working to bring together the adult autistic community so that we can interact and work with each other towards a more accepting and inclusive world. When you support the work of this podcast, you help bring the voices and lived experiences of autistic adults into the public dialogue so that neurodivergent individuals can work towards a better future. Please go to todaysautisticmoment.com and click on the blue button to be taken to my Patreon page where you can support the work of Today's Autistic Moment for $1 a month or more. Also, please share the shows you listen to on your own social media networks with friends, families, and communities. Thank you for listening to and supporting Today's Autistic Moment. Self-direction has many different names. Self-determination, consumer direction, and even PDO. But they all mean the same thing. You are in control of your long-term care. With self-direction, choose what's best for you. Hire the people that you trust. In some states, they can even be your family. Manage your long-term care expenses. Self-direction offers the same or lower cost than other options. Control your care and choose the support that is most important to you. You deserve to be supported in your home and community, surrounded by friends and activities you love. With self-direction, you can live life on your own terms, regardless of age or ability. Take control of your care. Visit gtindependence.com. Um, so with with all the barriers, <laughs> where does one start? <laughs> um, and and I guess the you know if you were to think about the the numerous uh, sort of barriers in in just daily living and trying to then seek even a diagnosis for some, you know, mm-hmm. which is very, I you know. Uh, I know in my own experience, I was very keen, but I didn't realize the impact it would have on when I knew and I had received that diagnosis and all the subsequent internal analysis that I had to do. I'm lucky I'm in Australia. So, you know, we have a a really great healthcare system and there's still a lot of work to be done um, in my personal opinion, but I don't think the barriers that I've experienced are probably um, what the majority of autistic individuals would experience. Because I'm also coming from a place of somewhat privilege. 
you know, I work um, in a place where I have connections and, 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 and an ability to navigate a healthcare system, mm. which is very, very difficult for a lot of people. It's so hard to be able to even understand where to go first, who to speak to first, which person's going to take me seriously, which person, you know, you might spend all this time finding somebody to then get an assessment or a diagnosis only to find out that they don't necessarily believe that uh, say like the likes of autism is real or Mm. they have a biomedical model sort of view that's rather toxic and it's it's you know based around behavior management and curing a person's affliction right exactly yeah no what you're saying is very very true um and many of us in the united states would envy uh your your healthcare system there in australia because Mm. for example i have a person who listens to me and they have a spouse who they believe is autistic and would like mm. to get them diagnosed. However, the healthcare system where they live will not pay for an adult to be diagnosed. They will only pay for, some, for someone to be diagnosed up to the age of 19. After 19, they do their healthcare, their healthcare will not pay beyond that. We have yeah, situations. Talk, yeah. Go ahead. Talking. Even talking about that in of itself is a trauma. Yeah, you know, exactly. you know how I, our understanding of autism and ADHD, neurodiversity, it's a permanent thing. Right, you know, it, it is the way it is. You know, there is some science and and some research to suggest that younger individuals that are particularly specifically ADHD, specifically just that, you know, if if early intervention is done, a lot of those lower levels of development can come up to a point where it's an acceptable difference um, within neurotypical society. But, you know, more to the point, having to not even be able to have that access, like it's, it's nonsensical. You know, do we grow out of it at 19? No. no. So why, why is it that there's this arbitrary sort of compartmentalizations around who can access this we only do this specific part um and it 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 honestly that's trauma all of it just navigating that and trying to pass that through these like i mentioned before just micro traumas all the time and naturally they accumulate it's not as if they they come through and then they pass they accumulate and then there has to be a release valve yeah. 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 And 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 what you're saying is is a, is a very valid point that trauma upon trauma upon trauma, um, it all kind of um, comes in as this huge amount of trauma. And I know as somebody who does live with PTSD, that there's all these little packets of things that really come and visit, and just unraveling these individual trauma experiences so that you can hopefully um, address the whole. Mm. It becomes so difficult. It's like, it's almost like taking, awesome. you know, it's like, it's like, um, you know, digging out the ocean with a teaspoon, as we say, 
you know mm-hmm. um it really can be can be quite quite complicated um and um a lot of the barriers are 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 you know as i say just getting employed because one is autistic or or being considered part of certain social groups um you know being accepted by your peers by your family being taken seriously by the people you're with all of that can really bring out a great deal of trauma that uh you know takes one a thing, lifetime to work through go ahead yeah so one thing that i i particularly have always struggled with and knowing what i know now about myself and advocating in this space is it's language and language yep. the use of language in many in many contexts um in your employment, in your daily living, institutionally, you know, through your your advocacy organizations, language is everything. Right. And the way that things are conceptualized in terms of understanding. So, you know, we talk about what you know, we're talking about these barriers and then trying to navigate them and then whether they in themselves give trauma, you know. This, this sort of problem that we have with, um, you know, like so even now, uh, I've got the ADHD brain and I'm trying to ch- chase that thought back that I just had. <clears throat> but it's, uh, you know, I've forgotten my point. What was I, what was I just mentioning just before? We were, ta- we were talking about barriers, uh, I think. And by the way, I have ADHD too, so I understand. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, I think we were talking about all of these various experiences and the trauma that it can, the amount language. of trauma it can bring. Language. Language. Yes, go yeah. ahead. So language is, um, you know, so particularly the way it's conceptualized. Uh, um, when I first, well, n- knowing what I know now, looking back when I was growing up, the this the social sort of language and the culture online around autism was so toxic yes and it was it was a a tokenized um sort of movement and and it was very much other to me it wasn't relatable i didn't understand it um but then going back and looking through things now the language changing, the language is changing very rapidly and it's mm. becoming more inclusive and it's becoming present of, you know, language can form, in, can elucidate trauma. We can actually impact people by saying autism can be cured. You know, autism, we can, we can treat it and we can get it to a point where people are neurotypical, you know. I find that very offensive, actually. It is. It's, it's, it's something that speaks to what, what, so you don't like the way I see things, therefore I am wrong and I have to change. And that is a trauma. Agreed. <laughs> Agreed. You know, yeah. because you internalize that. That's not just, yes. it's not just an externalized sort of scenario in which you deal with somebody being discriminatory or anything like that. There's people that either like I, I have some conscious awareness as to what the impact is internally, not a lot, but there's some individuals that 
don't have that ability yet. And so they feel it within their body. They yes. feel it within their, 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 their internal systems. And okay. so they might have physical expressions of this. You know, I know that I, um, I used to get incredible amounts of uh, muscle pain and my, my shoulders and my legs and my arms mm-hmm. would lock up from stress. And I never understood why. And right. it turns out, you know, that's, that's your, my body reacting to the environment and to the hostility that I've been trying to push down for some time and trying to ignore or not necessarily see. And these exactly. are all little traumas that keep happening. And the more awareness that you have about them and you want to speak to them, even speaking to them can be traumatic, especially when no one wants to listen. Exactly. Yeah. 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 All great points. And now we are going to move into the third question, which mm. is what steps do autistic adults and our supporters need to take to advocate for our needs? Um, and again, we say autistic adults, we have those strengths and tools we need to use for the work of self-advocacy. And this is where we talk about our strengths, finding mm. our strengths and using those strengths. Um, you know, I'll give you an example. I happen to think that autistics have a great sense sense of determination. Once they, once we get yeah. a hold of something, we really yeah. work at it well. Stubborn. And and mm. when it comes to trauma, actually, that can be more of a great um, strength rather than a weakness. But go ahead, mm. you give your points to those things. Yeah. So. Um... Well, I'll probably frame it in two ways. And the way I would frame it is the first way is, you know, proper, I won't won't say proper, but probably effective self-advocacy, I think starts with self. Right. So when, when you are in a position to feel as if you could do that, I think it starts as well before anything else, it's just in the advocacy, in the self-advocacy, it's just the way of your self-positioning. So for a long time, uh, and I can, I'll just speak from my own, my own sort of life experiences, you know, it's more the, uh, you just got to understand that when we, when we've lived through life and then we get told this diagnosis or this is, this is the way that you are, it's all that sort of uh, environment, you've absorbed that sort of understanding. And so you will want to, in order to self-advocate properly, re- just pivot your perspective as to how you see it. Like you said before, what are our strengths? You know, the strengths are that we see the world differently. We navigate yes. it differently. And we're able to provide unique experiences that most or some can't conceptualize even from the beginning so it's just another way of thinking that's all exactly. it is and that exactly. is a, that that in of itself is a pivot away from the biomedical model the pathologized the, you know the, the the pathologized pathologized sort of nature of everything that we we keep wanting to compartmentalize and make everything perfect it doesn't work like that and so the more that we pivot towards i actually am am i'm a human I'm a person, I'm not broken. 
eye is just as my eyes are different. My skin is different. My, fing my fingerprints are different like everyone else and unique. So is my brain. It's not much of a stretch to think that people have different brain development and, and subsequent expression. But it seems we get stuck on some very sort of, um, I don't know, adolescent sort of ideas of things. But the, right. second sort of, the second sort of view I would have is, like you say, the strength of, of going through trauma. Now, I'm a fairly spiritual person and I do really appreciate some perspectives on the nature of suffering. And I would like to just preface that the word suffering, I don't mean gratuitously. I mean, you know, you look at somebody who hasn't had a very hard life as to whether they've learned all that much experientially. And it's generally not the case. You look at somebody that has had a hard life and is still, a, you know, a person that is willing to be there for their community or what have you. They've learned a lot. They, they, they know how to navigate life a bit better in a more holistic and friendly and loving way. And I think that is the way to go about it. You know, is to see that your trauma is, yes, this has happened to you and you have all the prerogatives in the world to feel, process and deal with these things in the time that you need for as long as you need. But I also believe that it's an armour and you can wear it and show others that it's okay to wear it and it's okay to use it as your strength and it is a strength because exactly. it broadens it broadens who you are it gives you a sense of empathy that that you can relate to others and see and understand mm. and you wouldn't want to propagate any more suffering on others so naturally yeah. just by by wanting to be a more inclusive person to yourself and having that love for yourself and that understanding for yourself that would naturally gravitate towards others. And so in that self-advocacy, that self-advocacy will become just natural. Yes. It, will be a spoke, it will be a spoken word in the sense that I am this way. It's a lived example now. And right. people can see that and say, oh, that's somebody that is neurodiverse. That's it. Right. There's no... Right. There's no compartmentalization there. That person is neurodiverse and they are a person in this, say, organization that's really good at doing this particular, this particular set of tasks and they're the go-to person for that. And they're really, right. you know, just as an example. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I love how you've been talking a little about, bit about um, empathy uh, here. Mm. And let me just uh, give this little... Uh, push here. Um, as you know, um, if you don't know, um, I, I started having Autistic Voices Roundtable discussions. I host four of them every year. There are live wow. virtual events by which we get autistic individuals to talk about issues that affect us. And it's a little bit more of a controversial type of thing. But next October, I plan to do one called Busting the Myth About Empathy. You know, <laughs> uh, and so um, and, and what you're saying is a perfect example that, you know, people assume that we don't have empathy when in fact we 
some of us actually have too much empathy in some cases. But the, but the other piece of it is that, um, you know, we actually have a, have empathy based on what we've experienced for ourselves. And I fully agree with you that when we have endured that kind of suffering, um, and let's preface this by saying, no, it is not fair that the suffering is there. Mm -hmm. And yes, it is extremely painful. But at the same time, when as we work through that suffering, as we mm -hmm. confront, confront it, deal with it, work with it as best as we can, we mm. do gain strengths mm. within ourselves and we do gain a perspective of others who may be experiencing similar things. Mm. Um, you know, um, there is a uh, piece called Theory of Mind, which suggests that autistic people uh, cannot uh, have difficulty with perspective taking about um, you know, mm. predicting the thoughts and feelings and and reactions of others, mm. and and one of the things that um, some of my guests and myself have discussed is that um, I think autistic people we tend to have a lot of empathy, understanding of what other autistics experience because that is our common bond. Mm. Um, but we don't really have a full understanding of how to have a sense of empathy for those who are not autistic in a way that they will understand that we are actually empathetic. Um, mm. And I don't mean to—I don't mean to generalize that because that's not fair. Uh, but nonetheless, I know what you mean. I think. Yeah. 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 But yeah, I, so I, like it. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. So no. I think. Um, um, I think it, you, you hit the nail on the head there. It's not as if we, we, we want to show neurotypical majority status individuals like performatively that we are empathetic and in a way that they understand. But there's also that, and I actually was thinking about this before, um, that I think speaks to what you're talking about. There's a gap in, the, in, the, in, in understanding. And I mean, right. this is just as an observation from both sides of the aisle in the way that say, I see my own internal self and how others see me externally. Right. That, that is a gap. And that gap between, I guess, say neurodiverse people is a lot smaller. You know, yes. so the person <laughs> that they see is very much probably close to the person that I feel that I am on the inside. Right. So there's not much of a, 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 a disparateness in their understanding of each other. That's why naturally you gravitate towards people that can see you, right. that understand you. But then when you're dealing with somebody that is, say, neurotypical, the gap is far larger and it's a far large, larger distance to cover. And that's, a, that's a, consistent, a consistent amount of distance that you have to cover in every interaction, every moment. There's right. a big breakdown in, in terms of the extern external sort of presentation, which in of itself with autistic people is rather different, but right. also the internalized self, our self, where we feel very deeply. We, 
we're intuitive. We understand maybe what another person is feeling before they even they even know what's happening, you know, yes. or they um, we feel maybe that they know we know that they don't understand us. We feel that, right. you know, and we understand that this person is struggling, but we also have on our internal side don't know how to bridge that gap. Right. And that makes it very difficult. It's like two loggerheads trying to get, and that's, I think, part of the parcel of communication. I think we need to language, develop a way that's not going to elucidate trauma on an active, uh, an active uh, level. The it's language right. is in inclusive and it's made to bridge those gaps between communities, particularly when it comes to neurodiversity, Indigenous men and women and families, First Nations, and LGBT individuals. And because right. those gaps widen even further, the more that you understand in the sense that say you've got a neurodiverse person who might be indigenous, who might be queer, and then you have that huge gap to both their internal identity and understanding of the world to how they externally present to the world around them. Exactly. And it becomes very difficult for some uh, for neurotypical majority status individuals to even conceptualize the gap and right. if there's if there's a if there's the argument if we're arguing about whether the gap is real or not well you know we're not getting anywhere really and it's it's an exercise in futility if we're going to argue as to whether there's any disadvantage we've got a lot more work to do so yeah yeah I, I agree with that, and I think that's a great point to make with the issue of trauma, which the, la the last point that I'm going to invite us to also <clears throat> really talk just a little bit about, but um, one of the ways that we can advocate for ourselves is by finding and, and interacting with the autistic community, wherever we happen to come from. Um, you know, there are a lot of social networks on the various social media connections, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, especially um, mm. all of those where we, we are seeing autistic individuals coming together to advocate with, for and about each other. Mm. Um, we're seeing those connections being made and part of, you know, working with that trauma in our life is finding other autistics for whom have some understanding as to what we're experiencing, but also who can help us find those, those strengths and tools and really make them work for mm. not just ourselves, but also for the autistic community as a whole. I, mm. I think that's all very important. I really do. Yeah, it's definitely important. And I think it needs to be framed from the perspective that we need to constantly evolve our understanding and how to transmit that. And we always have to use the very people that we're trying to represent as the people that do the educating, yeah. do the, the awareness building, people like yourself. And it, there's no point in, in trying to understand a community, but learning it from an individual that is not from it. Right. They have just been on the outside observing. And all you're going to get is a repetitious uh, level of observation and that doesn't actually speak to anyone's lived experience 
doesn't Thanks. provide any understanding, you know, and you can't be on the outside telling how the inside should be living. Right. It doesn't, it, in of itself, it's, it's actually rather prejudice, you know? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, yeah, like we need to just constantly push and, and, and have compassion. I think one thing that I personally struggle with, and this is very much, I think, a, a, a lone position, is that we're becoming, in all respects of society, very hyperpolarized. And the hyperpolarization of, 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 of discussion is, is something that I find very hard to deal with, particularly when it comes to contentious things and I think in the autistic community and the and the um, neurodiverse community I think it would um I think it it would definitely give us an opportunity to show others that we actually are way more than 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 we are perceived to be particularly particularly coming along the lines of self-advocacy and education right um you know, if an employer or an organization wants to empower their neurodiverse individuals, you don't go and outsource that education or awareness building from a neurotypical organization. Right. You would go and support the very community that is one providing it, but that also empowers that community more to continue that work. After this final commercial break, Benjamin and I will conclude our interview with some resources that you might find helpful. And of course, we want to thank him for being with us today, followed by today's Autistic Community Bulletin Board. Please stay tuned. The most important work that people do is take care of each other and the people who provide your care should have the best support. Life Superior is here to help you and your caretakers. This family-owned business is one of Minnesota's fastest growing personal care providers because of the support they provide for their clients and coworkers. If you need a PCA agency that combines compassion and professionalism, or if you care for someone today and would like to learn how to get paid for this work, please call us at 612-824-4348 or visit us at lifesuperior.com forward slash autism. March is Women's History Month. Today's Autistic Moment will honor Women's History Month with two very special shows. On March 7th, join my guest Rosemarie Carrero and I for an in-depth show about adult autistic women. Rose will share her insights about how the public stereotypes of women and men 
impacts the diagnosis and culture around adult autistic women. Rose will inspire you with her personal journey of discovering her own autism. Rose will also mention how the communities of autistic women are growing and the work for self-advocacy to challenge the status quo. In February of 2021, I had a great conversation with Dr. Teresa Regan about aging autistic adults, what we needed yesterday. The lack of reliable resources, including medical professionals who do not have a working knowledge of what autism looks like, means that as autistics age, getting what we need becomes even more complicated. On March 21st, Michelle Newman will be my guest to talk about autistic postmenopausal women. Michelle was diagnosed with autism at the age of 54 following a 35-year span of psychiatric misdiagnoses and medications that have affected her overall health. Michelle will share with us about her lived experiences that will move us to working on some robust and effective advocacy to improve the conditions autistic postmenopausal women are living through. Please note that the episode, We're Not Broken, Changing the Autism Conversation with my very special guest, Eric Garcia, will be on Autism Acceptance Day. That is Saturday, April 2nd. Eric's book is one of the most comprehensive and accurate works that represents who the autistic community is and what we are all about. Whether you have read Eric's book, We're Not Broken or Not, you will enjoy his talk with me on April 2nd. Thank you for listening to today's Autistic Moment. This has been a great. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just uh, amazed. Uh, before we uh, conclude this incredibly great talk, um, are you aware of resources, online resources, um, that some autistics might be able to tap into that might be beneficial? Yeah. Um, so. If anyone is looking online for some free sort of resources about um, uh, neurodiversity, ADHD, but particularly autism spectrum. Um, now, I'll just preface that Australia is not as far ahead as America when it comes to, or Canada or what have Europe even, when it comes to language around disability. We, we are still very much grounded in the language of the biomedical model. And um, 
it can be somewhat distressing for some, but I'll say also there is a lot of free resources. And I would say all you need to do is just go onto Google, type in autism spectrum and then Australia. And pretty much you'll find a wealth of resources, particularly um, there is one uh, website that I found very good, which I think was re Reclaim Autism Australia. Um, yes, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yep. so that was a really great resource. Um, but uh, I'm also finding them all myself. So I, I'm still navigating all that sort, side of things. But I, I yeah. really recommend that people just, just have a Google and have a look around. Yeah, you'll yeah. find some great stuff. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I hear that. Those are great. Those are great uh, pieces of advice. Um, as far as your remarks about what's happened in America and so we, we are definitely uh, struggling in the US between the medical and the social models. Um, mm. We do have our issues with once somebody is diagnosed, they're automatically admitted into the mental health system and, and defined by that, you know, that sort of thing, even though it's a neurological developmental uh, disorder. But we're definitely dealing with that. And we're, def we're also dealing with um, the drive to become more independent but, uh, and interdependent as neurodiverse people versus a group of people who need to be cured or fixed or treated and, and all that. Mm. We're, 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 we're really dead, dead, dead in the center of a lot of that, unfortunately. Mm. But um, yes, well, um, well, Benjamin, I cannot thank you enough for this incredible conversation. You're welcome. And you've spoken so eloquently about uh, the matter of trauma. And so um, I cannot thank you enough. Um, so um thank you for the work you do <laughs> oh thank you thank you very much i i appreciate yes. that and it's really yeah. great the awareness building that you're bringing to the platform and just to the community at large and the fact that you're providing an opportunity for autistic adults to speak and in a right. safe space and that in of itself is is a huge amount of of um contributions towards the community at large you just think yeah. about that impact but also what it brings to you, Philip, and, absolutely. and the meaning and the empowerment it can bring to you. Yeah, so yeah it's, absolutely. it's been great. Yeah, well, good. Uh, I'm glad you feel that way. And, and wow, just thank you once more. No worries at all. Today's Autistic Community Bulletin Board. You can now find the links for all events announced in today's Autistic Community Bulletin Board by going to todaysautisticmoment.com forward slash bulletin board forward slash the ordinary marathon foundation invites autistics from the ages of 15 to 24 to participate in actually autistic athletes the program will include one set of shoes shorts socks shirt one pair of running shoes a running band and one-on-one -on -one coaching from a certified athletic coach for up to six months Go to todaysautisticmoment.com forward slash bulletin board forward slash and click on Actually Autistic Athletes for more information and to apply anytime, but especially February to mid-April. Understanding Autism Virtual Classes will be offered by the Autism Society of Minnesota 
These classes are perfect for autistic individuals, caregivers, those who want to understand the basics of autism and support autistic people. Classes will be held on March 21st from 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. April 18th from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. May 16th from 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. Classes are free of charge, but you must register to attend. On February 22nd from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m., Jillian Nelson will present a virtual skill shop at the Autism Society of Minnesota entitled Food and Function Mealtime Solutions When Executive Function Isn't on the Menu. Jillian will share her lived experience in navigating mealtime with significant autistic challenges including motor skill and executive functioning deficits and the consideration of dietary needs that make meal prep and planning a daunting task. Jillian will share shopping hacks, cooking tricks, and useful kitchen tools, and a variety of life lessons that make autistic mealtime less overwhelming and more enjoyable. On Tuesday, March 8th, from 6 to 8 p.m., Sam Grover and Kat Olson will present the Virtual Skill Shop Cookable Kitchen at the Autism Society of Minnesota. Cookable Kitchen's mission is to empower people of all abilities to cook. Join them for a step-by-step -step online class where they will make dinner together and socialize. Participants can cook independently or with support as needed. This class will involve using the oven and microwave and handling raw meat. A week before the class, attendees will receive an email with a recipe, a list of ingredients, and the Zoom link. The Autism Certification Direct Support Virtual Classes Spring Session at the Autism Society of Minnesota will begin on March 7th and continue on March 14th, 21st, 28th, and April 4th. These classes are perfect for job coaches, support staff, personal care attendants, EIDBI Tier 3 providers, educational aides, support personnel, group home staff, day training and habilitation professionals, anyone who works directly with autistic individuals and autistic people. To get more information about these and other events at the Autism Society of Minnesota, please go to ausm.org. You can also go to todaysautisticmoment.com forward slash bulletin board and click on the Autism Society of Minnesota to register for their events. Registration is now open to attend the 2022 Minnesota Autism Conference April 27th to the 29th, 2022 at the Hyatt Regency in Bloomington, Minnesota. There will be both in-person and virtual events offered. Go to todaysautisticmoment.com forward slash bulletin board forward slash or AUSM org for more information and to register. Today's Autistic Moment is sponsored 
in part by Looking Forward Life Coaching. Looking Forward turns stumbling blocks into stepping stones towards success. Go to lookingforwardlc.org for more information. Lastly, while all of the spots for ads during the podcast itself are full, you can join Looking Forward Life Coaching and have your business or organization mentioned at the end of each podcast show. If you like, would like to have your business organization mentioned, have questions or comments about today's autistic moment, please send an email to p-k-l-o-w-e at todaysautisticmoment.com. Thank you for listening to Today's Autistic Moment, a podcast for autistic adults by an autistic adult. May you have an autistically amazing day.